All right. Well, we got a show for you this morning. I was just thinking, you know, everything's going smooth sailing today. And then all of a sudden, the theme music starts and the microphone doesn't work. But that's why we have backups. I'm Adam Wright. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network this morning. It is great to be back in the saddle with you, back in studio today as uh, we gather together. Let's take a moment to collect ourselves and begin our day with prayer as we always do. And we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I said, it's a joy to be back with you in studio, and I'm looking forward to just a regular schedule of uh, Roadmap to Heaven throughout the end of the year, throughout the uh, rest of Advent with you, and then into our Christmas holiday, which is still a ways away. So let's let Advent be Advent first and foremost here And uh, a beautiful start to Advent. I was welcomed out to St. Cletus Parish in St. Charles for their Legion of Mary meeting this past Saturday, reflecting on Mary's Magnificat. And essentially, that's the question I want to put before you today is before we dive into the show. Mary says, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. What is your soul proclaiming on this Monday, December 5th? That's um, an important question to ask throughout the day. Are you proclaiming the greatness of the Lord or are you proclaiming something else? On the show today, John Martinoni is going to be with us. We continue our series of questions that Protestants can't answer. We also have a special guest in studio, Benedetta Orsi, who will be giving a concert at the Old Cathedral uh, right there underneath the arch this coming Saturday. You're going to hear about some other musical offerings down there this season of Advent as well. And then finally on the show today, we're going to be able to speak with a gentleman across the pond over in England named Christian Holden, who put together a wonderful film called In Persona Christi. And we're going to talk about the importance of knowing how a priest is different than you and I, and not just because we call our priests father, but that they really are set apart and the importance of promoting vocations to the priesthood. That's all ahead on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Before any of that, though, let's go now to Mike Roberts for a check of today's weather. Today is the feast day of St. Sabas. Born in what is now Turkey in the mid-5th century, his father was an army officer. When he and his wife were sent to Alexandria, Egypt, he asked his brother to take care of Sabas, but he was abusive, and so at the age of eight, Sabas ran away to live with another relative. Over the years, more family conflict followed Sabas, and so he ran away again, this time, to join a monastery. As he grew older, his family pleaded with him to return and marry, but instead, Sabas made his way to Jerusalem and in his late teens entered the monastery of Bishop Flavian. He longed to live the life of a hermit, but was considered too young. St. Euthymius became his mentor, and when he was about 30, Sabas was at last given permission to live in a nearby cave five days a week. After Euthymius died, Sabas moved deeper into the desert to an area near Jericho where he lived for several years. Eventually, he attracted followers, and reluctantly, Sabas agreed to lead them as their ranks grew to about 150. 
the Bishop of Jerusalem convinced Sabas to become a priest in order to effectively lead his monastic community, and he did, but he continued to seek time alone for prayer. Each year during Lent, Sabas left his monks for long periods of time. Unhappy with this, a group of 60 formed a new community nearby. When Sabas learned they were struggling, he generously gave them supplies and assisted with the repair of their church. Over the years, Sabas preached throughout the region, bringing many back to the church. And at the age of 91, after a plea from the Bishop of Jerusalem, he traveled to Constantinople to quell a revolt. But when he returned, Sabas fell ill and died on this day in 532 at the monastery of Marsaba. Today, that monastery is still inhabited by monks of the Eastern Orthodox Church. And St. Sabas is regarded as one of the most significant figures in early monasticism. St. Sabas, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. A prayer for the gift of wisdom. Great is the wisdom of the Lord. God Almighty, your wisdom includes an understanding of what is fair, what is logical, what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. It mirrors your pure intellect. I entreat you to grant me such wisdom that my labors may reflect your insight. Your wisdom expands in your creations, displaying complexity and multiplicity. Your wisdom is an eternity ahead of man. May your wisdom flourish forever. Amen. We're talking with John Martinoni again on this Monday about questions that Protestants can't answer. And again, this is not a gotcha or a uh, we want to stump somebody with a question. This is all about seeking the, the fullness of truth which we find in our Catholic faith in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, John, we're going to come to one of my favorite words that we hear every now and then in Scripture, and we're going to talk today about Matthew chapter 19, where we hear some men referred to as eunuchs, men who make themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Well, who are these men? Exactly. That's the question of the, of the week. Who are these men who make themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven? You know, people just read through that, and, and, you know, Jesus here is talking about, he's being asked about divorce and all this, and he basically says, no, you can't do divorce. It's, it's not right. From the beginning, it hasn't been that way. Moses allowed you to divorce because of the hardness of your hearts, but it was not originally intended that way. And then he goes on in verse 12, for there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, those are people who are born with some sort of deformity. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And, and whenever I read that, I think about kings and their harems, and they make certain men eunuchs who could then be guards for the harem. So they, they are physically made eunuchs by other men. And then there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And you start to think, that, what, what, who, what, what? Men who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, why would you need to be a eunuch for the sake of the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's not talking about physical eunuchs, because there is no reason to be made a physical eunuch for the sake of the... to make yourself a physical eunuch for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. It's talking about people who spiritually are eunuchs, people who are essentially denying themselves the right to marry. They are giving up their right to be married. Why? Because, as it says in 1 Corinthians 7, 
Paul says the unmarried man is more about the business of the Lord than the married man. The married man's interests are divided. He's got his wife and his family and God. The unmarried man can devote himself solely to working for God, to working for the sake of the kingdom. So these eunuchs who make themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven are men who have taken a vow of celibacy in order to work entirely for the kingdom of heaven, to devote their entire lives to the kingdom of heaven, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And so I ask, well, look around in your culture today, and who do you see fitting that description? Well, if I had to hazard a guess, I think I know the answer too, by the way. Um, I, I imagine a lot of them wear black shirts with white collars. I imagine they do. Some of them even wear these long cassocks and such. So, yes, you look in our culture today, and they're, they're may, they're, they may not be the only ones. There are other people who probably take other men, and, and certainly women, who take vows of celibacy who are not priests, and they take these vows of celibacy for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, but who are these men who take these vows of celibacy on a regular basis? You know, the, the general description here, men who make themselves eunuchs could take a vow of celibacy for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, and you see that first and foremost in the clergy of the Latin Rite of the Catholic Church. And, and, I mean, par excellence is where you find these words of Jesus fulfilled. Because I don't know, I mean, there may be Baptist preachers or, or, or Baptists who, who take vows of celibacy or, or evangelical preachers who take vows of celibacy to serve the kingdom with their entire lives. Um, but... I haven't ever heard of them. You know, they may be out there, but again, first and foremost, par excellence, these words of Jesus are fulfilled with the vows of celibacy taken by the clergy, the, the priest of the Latin Rite of the Catholic Church. Well, there you have it. We're talking about spiritual meanings, not necessarily physical meanings to this answer or to answer this question. Uh, John, thank you so much for today's enlightenment on questions Protestants can't answer. As always, my pleasure, Adam. Prayer to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. O Mother of Perpetual Help, grant that I may ever invoke thy most powerful name, which is the safeguard of the living and the salvation of the dying. O purest Mary, O sweetest Mary, let thy name henceforth be ever on my lips. Delay not, O blessed lady, to help me whenever I call on thee. For in all my needs, in all my temptations, I shall never cease to call on thee, ever repeating thy sacred name, Mary, Mary. You've heard me say it before, and I will say it again. One of the things I lament this time of year is that we have been assaulted nonstop with secular Christmas music for, well, really since before Thanksgiving. And 
I don't know about you, but this time of year, I like to let Advent be Advent so that Christmas can be Christmas. And one of the ways that I like to do that is to shift my focus to sacred music. And we have some wonderful opportunities coming up in the St. Louis metro area to do just that. And now I'm not opposed to singing some Christmas carols before Christmas to help get ready for Christmas. And that's a good thing because our next guest is going to be doing just that here in in about a week and a half. Benedetta Orsi is from Bologna, Italy. She is a gifted singer and she's now here in St. Louis and will be presenting a concert, Benedetta Orsi and Friends, the fourth annual Christmas concert, celebrating the 35th anniversary of the sister cities of St. Louis in Bologna. The concert will be December 10th at the Old Cathedral, and this is part of two events they're having to help us get ready for Christmas during the season of Advent. Benedetta, it is so good to have you with us in studio today. So nice to be here, and thank you so much, Adam. And from the sister city of St. Louis, you brought with you Michael Cross, who's no stranger to Covenant Network. Michael, it's good to have you with us as well. It's great to be back. Yes, I'm the president of the St. Louis Bologna Sister Cities. And when I met Benedetta in 2017, who is from Bologna, I decided, hey, she has to be part of the board. So it's great to be back, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. So, Michael, we're celebrating the 35th anniversary of the Sister City, St. Louis and Bologna. How did this even come about? Did someone just say one day, you know, let's call Bologna and, and we could be Sister Cities? Yeah, so actually... Believe it or not, Monsignor Polizzi, who was the pastor of St. Ambrose at the time in 1987 when the St. Louis Bologna Sister Cities was founded, helped found the St. Louis Bologna Sister Cities along with Franco Gianotti and John Ferrara. So it was really the, the local priest here in St. Louis who's very instrumental in founding, uh, in twinning us with Bologna. And yes, we are celebrating the 35th anniversary where we were in Bologna this year to meet with the deputy mayor, Annalisa Boni, and we gave the city of Bologna a St. Louis city resolution, which was signed by Alderman Joe Vaccaro. Of course, he's a parishioner at Epiphany Parish, and Alderman Joe Volmer, who's a parishioner at St. Ambrose. So we definitely have a lot of history here to commemorate. One of the wonderful things about music, and Specifically, as we talk about these two sister cities, Bologna, Italy, St. Louis, Missouri, in the United States, music has a power to bring us together. And that's what this season is all about, coming together to celebrate the joy of the Incarnation. And it's very powerful. Benedetto, what does it mean to you to have this opportunity to honor our Lord and to give glory to Him by singing such beautiful, sacred music that's timeless, handed down throughout the centuries? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. It's really an honor. As I was telling you, before I sang since I was a little girl and uh, for us Christmas has always been a big moment in our family in our tradition because it was bringing together our family some of my relatives lives in Brazil so we were just getting together and celebrating together and one tradition it was just to uh, for our little kids to sing some sacred song during the Christmas dinner so it's something that is really part of my life, part of my tradition, and it's something that I have the honor to share with our audience here in St. Louis. And I want to thank you, Michael, for giving me this opportunity every year since four years to present this Christmas concert here in town and to share it with so many talented singers. I truly believe that music brings everybody together, no matter what. There's nothing more beautiful than Christmas music and sacred music. So I am so happy 
to present this concert this year. Now, obviously, we are in the season of Advent, and mm-hmm. we're not to Christmas yet, but as we said, we can use this music to help us prepare yes. our Christmas celebrations. How can going to a concert of sacred music help us to prepare ourselves for Christmas? Well, one song that we will present to open the concert is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So I truly believe that we should enter this year at the old cathedral. We should enter there with a, a free heart, like a heart that can be lifted with the music and brought together closer to Jesus through the music. I think that that is Absolutely wonderful. One of the other events coming up at the Old Cathedral will also be the service of Lessons and Carols on December 18th with Archbishop Mitchell Rosansky presiding the choir from the Shrine of St. Joseph and much in the same way, using music, familiar carols to help prepare our hearts to receive our Lord mm-hmm. at Christmas and interspersing those carols with the various scripture readings from the Old Testament prophecies of the coming of the Messiah mm-hmm. through the infancy narrative. And it's it's a great way to get into that spirit in this season of Advent. Mm-hmm. Now, Michael, we've spoken a little bit about the sister cities, the St. Louis Bologna. This is part of a, a program that St. Louis is a sister city for many cities around the world. Thinking of our history here and the many ethnic groups, the Italians, the Germans, the Irish, the Czechs, so on and so forth. We could keep going. What does this mean to have this partnership where we can bring some of our Italian culture and Italian heritage of St. Louis to the broader community? Absolutely. So, yes, St. Louis has many sister cities such as Lyon, France, Stuttgart, Germany, and, of course, Bologna, Italy. There are sister cities in Ireland, in Africa, Asia, and South America. Rosario, Argentina, for example, is the newest one. So St. Louis has 16 sister cities that we're twinned with, we're partnered with. So our mission and each of their sister cities' mission is to foster mutually beneficial relations in economic development, education, art, culture, music, and uh, between our cities, increase international business contacts, increase awareness of our city's similarities, And then, of course, encourage opportunities to become host families for visitors and students from abroad and really showcase St. Louis as an international city. And, of course, in particular with Bologna, Italy, and with Italy in general, there's such a rich history. There's such a rich musical history, a rich cultural legacy. And I do think it is important to highlight that St. Louis as an international city with so many different cultures, so many different ethnicities, And the beauty of the Italian culture as well is it's intermingled with the Catholic culture. It has a very strong Catholic culture and a Catholic music, sacred music. And so this is something that we definitely want to highlight. So, Michael, we're celebrating the 35th anniversary of the sister city, St. Louis and Bologna. How did this even come about? Did someone just say one day, you know, let's call Bologna and, and we could be sister cities? Yeah, so actually... Believe it or not, Monsignor Polizzi, who was the pastor of St. Ambrose at the time in 1987 when the St. Louis Bologna Sister Cities was founded, helped found the St. Louis Bologna Sister Cities along with Franco Gianotti and John Ferrara. So it was really the the local priest here in St. Louis who's very instrumental in founding, uh, in twinning us with Bologna. And yes, we are celebrating the 35th anniversary where we were in Bologna this year to meet with the deputy mayor, Annalisa Boni, and we gave 
the city of Bologna, a St. Louis city resolution, which was signed by Alderman Joe Vaccaro. Of course, he's a parishioner at Epiphany Parish and Alderman Joe Vollmer, who's a parishioner at St. Ambrose. So we definitely have a lot of history here to commemorate. Before we came on air, we were talking about some of our favorite Christmas Mm -hmm. songs and one that you mentioned, uh, O Holy Night. I've sung it as O Holy Night my entire life, but I've also heard Cantique de Noel. Of course, Of course. And the beautiful thing is, no matter what language it is, Mm -hmm. if we hear the melody, we immediately know what we're singing. And so you mentioned O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I have to ask, in Bologna, here we would say O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. What would you say in in Bologna? O Vieni, Vieni, Emanuele. But no matter what you say or what I say, (laughs) if we hear it, we'll know. Absolutely, absolutely. It's the same, no matter which language you use to sing this sacred music, it will be recognized everywhere. It's what is important about sacred music. No matter the language, we are just one big family and we are just getting together for Christmas, for the birth of our Jesus Lord. And that is the most beautiful thing. I would love to carry on our conversation, but we do want to make sure we have some time to hear your beautiful voice. (laughs) And so we'll just remind you that the concert, Benedetta Orsi and Friends, fourth annual Christmas concert will be at the Old Cathedral right there under the arch on Mm -hmm. Saturday, December 10th at 7.30 p.m. That is a ticketed event. Also, the service of Lessons and Carols on Sunday, December 18th at 2 p.m. with Archbishop Rosansky and the choir of the Shrine of St. Joseph. For information on both of those, the easiest thing to do is to go to the Old Cathedral's website oldcathedralstl.org that's oldcathedralstl.org and right there on the home page you scroll down just a little bit you'll see events and updates and the uh, information on both events can be found there before we went on air benedetta you were telling me about a song that you love to sing and of course it was in italian so i i didn't know the title of the song i can't remember tell us a little bit about it so it's not christmas for us if we don't hear to scendi dalle stelle that is our sacred music for the holidays. That and Astro del Ciel, that is Silent Night. Those are my favorite, but definitely Tuscendi da Stelle is something that if you just mention the title to the Italian, to an Italian, their highs is gonna just sparkle. <laughs> Can you give us a, a loose translation? You come down from the stars. You, God, come down, descend from the stars, from the sky. So it has a beautiful meaning. And oh, king of the heavens. So it's, it's very important. All right, wonderful. Well, we look forward to hearing that here. To Oh 
A Prayer to Redeem Lost Time by St. Teresa of Avila. O oh my God, source of all mercy, I acknowledge your sovereign power. While recalling the wasted years that are past, I believe that you, Lord, can in an instant turn this loss to gain. Miserable as I am, yet I firmly believe that you can do all things. Please restore to me the time lost, giving me your grace, both now and in the future, that I may appear before you in wedding garments. Amen. I always love the opportunity to speak with someone in another country, and today we are going to jump across that little pond known as the Atlantic Ocean to speak with Christian Holden coming to us from the uh, United Kingdom. Correct, Christian? That's correct indeed. Thank uh-huh. God. It's good to have you with us here on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. You have a, a film that you've helped put together, In Persona Christi, The Catholic Priesthood Through St. Anthony Communications, and I recently had the opportunity to watch this, and I have to tell you, it's just a very beautiful documentary about the priesthood and, and what we mean by that, In Persona Christi, and that it's not just our priests up there as some guy saying, all right, I'm going I'm to be the leader of the bandwagon for the next 45 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half, however long Mass lasts in your particular church on weekday or on Sunday. It's a beautiful look at the priesthood. What inspired you to put this film together? Oh, sure. This, this has been on my mind for a number of years, really, to produce this. And then we had the COVID and the lockdown, so things were put back, set back on that front. But I think really a, a threefold desire for a film like this. First and foremost, I think really to encourage the laity to, to a greater appreciation of the priesthood, what the priesthood is, and what our priests do for us. That was the first point. The second, of course, is to encourage vocations to the priesthood for any, any men out there who've got that niggling, what if, what if I'm called to this vocation, that they're encouraged to follow up on that. And thirdly and finally, to also encourage our priests to show our appreciation for their ministry and of all that they do for us. And what a great vocation it is to minister to us to bring our Lord present on our altars every day. Now, when we talk about what our priests do for us and the gift they are to the church, we don't really have to look any further than that title, In Persona Christi, In the Person of Christ. And maybe as a sports fan, I think of we are representatives of the teams that we, whether it's the soccer team or football or or here in the States, uh, baseball. I don't know if you're a cricket fan, but we wear the team jersey or the apparel to represent. And In a sense, I guess you could say we are acting as an agent of that team. But that is not entirely accurate when we say in persona Christi. It's not just that our priests are acting as an agent of our Lord. They are acting in the person of our Lord when they confect the Holy Eucharist, when they administer the sacraments. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that. I know we don't have a lot of time, but what is it our priests are doing? Well, it's just a beautiful and amazing mystery, isn't it, that— the priest, by virtue of his ordination, takes on this role to act in the very person of Christ, in bringing the Holy Eucharist, bringing Christ himself present on the altars at Mass, to hear our confessions and bring absolution for the forgiveness of sins, through baptism bringing new life. What an amazing gift that is, and as I say, quite a mystery that I don't think as human beings we can quite fathom. It goes much deeper than we can ever appreciate. You mentioned part of the hope is that this film will inspire vocations, and I think that's a a beautiful aim, especially when we talk about this is not just something that anyone 
can do. It, it's certainly a calling that first and foremost comes from our Lord. There are those whom he calls, and we pray that they answer generously to the call. But as a father of children, sometimes they ask me, Dad, what is it that the priest does? And this is a great way to say, well, here, let's take a look at what the priest does. So a wonderful film to share perhaps with some young men, whether it's the altar servers in the parish or with the uh, catechism class, whether that's as part of the parish day school or evening or weekend parish religion class. It truly is a gift. I wonder if you could speak for a moment about your hopes in that regard for vocations. Yeah, I think um, quite often people have that niggling call. And realistically, every young Catholic man or even an older Catholic man ought to ask that question, is Jesus Christ calling me to the priesthood? And I think you have to pursue that. You have to follow it through and give our Lord the first opportunity at calling you and you responding to that call. But it's also important that for anyone who feels that calling, that they don't delay, they don't put it off, that they have the courage and the deep faith to respond to that and say to God, yes, I'll give you the best of my life, the best of what I can offer. And they will know deep down if they're called to that, and any man needs to pursue it to serve our Lord as best he can. One of my favorite things about our faith are the symbols that we use in the actual, not only are they symbols, but there are actual graces conferred. And I think of the ordination of a priest and the anointing of the priest's hands with sacred chrism and an oil that is consecrated. And with that oil, the bishop consecrates the priest's hands to do something that my hands cannot do, to confect the Eucharist. And set aside, set apart to care for our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. It's a very beautiful thing. And again, it's something that not all are called to, and we pray that those who are called would respond generously. So the film, again, In Persona Christi through St. Anthony Communications. You can find it if you have a formed.org subscription through your parish. It is on form.org. Otherwise, you can go to St. Anthony Communications. The best web address is saint, S-A-I-N-T, saint, ant, dot com slash video that's saintant.com forward slash video and you will find the film there christian i want to thank you for taking the time to be with us i know with the time delay it's getting kind of late in the day where you are and we're just getting started over here but it's been wonderful to talk with you and thank you for your work on this film it's a pleasure thank you very much for having me daily offering god the father i thank thee for creating me God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions Thy grace, so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to Thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O blessed Trinity, abundantly assist me in becoming that which Thou intended me to become when Thou created me. For in Thy perfection I will give Thee the glory Thou desirest of me. And in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. It is time for our catechiz question today. And here is the question. As we just said in that interview with Christian Holden, when a priest is anointed, his hands are anointed with sacred chrism. Uh, So if you are a priest, how many times are you anointed with sacred chrism in your lifetime? That's our catechiz question. The answer, three times. Your hands are anointed three, or not your hands, but you are anointed three times. Once at your baptism with the sacred chrism, once at your confirmation 
with the sacred chrism, and then again at your ordination to the priesthood with the sacred chrism. Now, I am not a priest, and, and many of you listening are not priests, but we are anointed with that same oil at our baptism, and as uh, we discussed once with Father Wade Meniz, as we share in a very beautiful way in the office of priest, prophet, and king, just as our, our priests do, um, and yet ontologically they're so different, and they confect the Holy Eucharist and handle that sacred species and bring us the the bread of heaven, uh, bring us our Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity, sacramentally present. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So that's our catechist question today. We're going to take another break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Memorare to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Full of confidence in your power, I fly unto you and beg your protection. Despise not, O foster father of the Redeemer, my humble supplication, but in your bounty, hear and answer me. Amen. It's a new week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, as you hear me say every Monday, and we are happy to have Patty Schneier with us again. Patty, it's good to be with you today. Well, let's get right to it on this Monday. We are in this Advent season, of course, and I just thought it would be great to have some thoughts on Mary this week. And these reflections are actually going to come from Pope Benedict. He has a book, a beautiful book, it has gorgeous pictures, but it's a lot of his homilies and thoughts that he gave during his pontificate on the Blessed Mother, and I found them to be gorgeous. So today I want to talk about the Immaculate Conception. And the quote I'm going to share comes from the Angelus on the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception from December 8th in 2005. This is what Pope Benedict said. In Mary shines forth the eternal goodness of the Creator, who chose her in his plan of salvation to be the mother of his only begotten Son. God, foreseeing his death, preserved her from every stain of sin. In this way, the mother of Christ Christ and our mother, the vocation of every human being is perfectly fulfilled. All men and women, according to St. Paul, are called to be holy and blameless in God's sight, full of love. So often we feel that Mary is above us, right? When we hear that, that Mary was preserved from original sin, then she's above us. And she is, of course, but we feel that she's so perfect. It's supernatural. But we forget that actually Mary is the model of what we are all supposed to be in God's creation. The plan was that we were to all be like Mary, And in heaven, we will all get to be like Mary. So today, think about Mary as really the prototype of all creation. We're the ones that have blown it, that went off the plan. She's the one that has, you know, been able to remain pure to the plan. And But in heaven, we all get to be restored to that beautiful, beautiful, full of grace like Mary, which I think is just so beautiful. So today... As you pray to the Blessed Mother, as I know you're encouraged to do every day on Roadmap to Heaven and here on Covenant Network, let's just remember that in heaven we get to all be just like Mary. That is what I look forward to, God willing. Patty, thanks for being with us today. As we look forward to this week, one reminder important for all of us is that this coming Thursday is a holy day of obligation. It is the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception 
of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and it is the day we celebrate Mary's conception, not our Lord's conception. That's a, a mistake that I used to make all the time, um, but the day that Mary was conceived, and we pray through her intercession in such a beautiful way on Thursday. And I think also uh, pray through the intercession of Saints Joachim and Anne, who had the, the grace uh, to say yes to one another and to live out their vocation. And thus, as part of God's plan, the Blessed Mother was conceived and born, and thus she could conceive and bear our Lord. So a beautiful feast day for us, and one that we should make sure our whole day revolves around that. You know, So often when I get into the office, in fact, just now during the break, I was looking at my calendar for the day and saying, all right, what do I have scheduled today? What do I need to do? Where do I need to catch up, especially after being sick all of last week? There are several things throughout the day that I say, okay, this needs to happen at this specific time, and the whole day revolves around that. Well, on Thursday, the whole day revolves around the Blessed Mother's solemnity. It revolves around getting to Holy Mass, whether that's in the morning, whether that's midday, whether that's in the evening, whether you satisfy the obligation the evening before with the vigil, but also in addition to that, not just making the day revolve around getting to Mass, how do we live out the joy of that solemnity? How do we live differently on Thursday? How do people look at us and say, huh, something's, something's different with Adam today. He's, he's got some extra joy that he doesn't normally have. Uh, not that I'm not normally joyful, but you know, a little extra. And that is back to that question we started the show with and that, that question that I asked at the uh, Legion of Mary meeting I was privileged to be at this past weekend. What is your soul proclaiming? You know, the Magnificat, such a beautiful prayer. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. What does he do? He fills the hungry with good things. He raises up the lowly. But what does he do to the mighty and the arrogant? He throws them down from their thrones. Or I I love the translation, casts them down. Uh, It's not a gentle thing to be thrown down. It's not a gentle thing to be cast. The other day I was frustrated with something. It was in my hand. I was trying to put something together, and it just the pieces wouldn't go, and I just threw it down on the table in front of me. You know, I cast it down. It wasn't a gentle, I'm frustrated, let me set this down. We can either be focused on doing God's will, or we can be focused on something else. Now, that doesn't mean that some of the things we focus on are bad. You know, doing this radio show right now, focusing on this is focusing, as I believe, on doing God's will, spending this time with you, being a parent, being a grandparent, being an aunt or an uncle, or or going to your job that helps you sustain your vocation can easily be doing God's will. But why are you doing it? Are you doing it so that you can live out God's will? It is one of my favorite things to say this time of year, let every heart prepare him room. I feel that by the time we sing that on December 25th, uh, we've actually kind of, we're a little late. Now is the time to prepare room in your heart. So as we go throughout this week as well, the other question is, what do you need to let go of? Maybe there's that anger with someone. Maybe there's that animosity, that grudge. Maybe there's that family member you're dreading seeing. You know, it happens for me every year. Do we really have to get together with them? It's going to be so awkward. I don't want to talk to them. Every time we do get together, it is so frustrating to me. Why do we have to have this time together? Well, you know, maybe it's letting go of that. You know, my kids are so focused on how many presents are we going to get this year? Well, children, you might not get any because you have the greatest gift. You have your faith. 
you have our Lord who makes himself available to you. Now, don't get me wrong. They're going to get some presents this year. What's taking up room in your heart? It might not even be a bad thing. You know, we talk about anxiety or grudges or anger or whatnot. It might be a good thing. You're so looking forward to getting together with that friend. Maybe that's taking up room. I don't know. It's important as we go throughout this week to examine our hearts and to ask again that question, what does our soul proclaim? Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of all saints, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, another great reminder for us, pray for our nation this week. Our Lady, under that title, the Immaculate Conception, is the patroness of the United States of America. And a special shout-out to all of our friends in the Diocese of Springfield who will be celebrating their cathedral and their diocese patronal feast. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't forget to pray your rosary today.